Hi, my name is Antonia Dominguez. And I'm Linda Coogan. And you're listening to Wine, the long and the short of it. In proud partnership with Give Wine a Future. How well do you know your wines? From the simple to the complex, from acidity to Symphondel. Welcome to Wine, the long and the short of it. My name is Antonia Dominguez, the long. And my name is Linda Coogan, the short. Between us, we have over 30 years collective experience in wine buying, wine retail and wine education. Every week we discuss a topic, product or trend from the world of wine. Hi everyone. So we have International Sherry Week coming up. What date, Linda? 6th of November. Till the 12th of November. Till the 12th. The whole week of sherry, people. Exactly. So you Antonia can... is like glowing. <laughs> you can understand why I'm so excited. Um, yeah. And so in that spirit, this episode is all about sherry. Well, Jerez. 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 So take it as a sort of step by step guide. All you need to know about sherry. This is the long version. Yeah, the long version. And I, I, I'm going to sit back and enjoy a glass of Amontillado. Amontillado. Uh, yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. And uh, you can just talk, Antonia. And I might pipe in with like, tell me a bit more about this. And okay. So is I'm that flying okay? solo. Right. Okay, so I'm going to kick off with a bit of the geography of Hereth, right? I don't, I'm not going to go no, into no, major tell, detail. No, no, tell people why this is so special in case this is just, in case Sherry just came to them and they said, I want to listen to this episode. I am, I'm about okay, to. Okay, go on then. For all of the following reasons. All right, okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, so a little geography on Hereth. No, do you know what I like to start with? I always say this. Oh, gorgeous. Sherry cannot be made in any other part of the world. And I know that's a little bit contentious because I know they make sherry-like wines in Montilla Moriles. Which I was in in May. Yep. They make sherry styles of wine in the Jura. Um, and they make sherry styles in, you know, Rutherglen with the sweet. Yes. They do it in a Solera system. So... Um, all that aside, I would still maintain you cannot make sherries in the style that you get from Jerez in any other region in the world, unlike a lot of other types of grapes and styles of wine. So I'm very proud about that fact. And the reason is the following. It's all to do with the geography and the terroir, right? Mm -hmm. So first off, Jerez is the southernmost wine region in continental Europe. So that, I suppose, is important from a climatic point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, it, uh, we call it the Sherry Triangle. And the reason we do is because the Dio Jerez is comprised of sort of three main regions. You have the town of Jerez, Jerez de la Frontera, it's called. You have um, a little bit more coastal, San Lucar. So Jerez is about 20 minutes drive inland. And then you have San Lucar on the coast. So San Lucar de Barameda. And then you have... Well, I translate this into English. No, and then you have the third one is Puerto de Santa Maria. So you have those three towns and if you look at them on a map and you drew a line from one to the other to the other it, it's a triangle so we call it the sherry triangle right now there are other municipalities in the area that have you know that where they can grow the grapes but you can only age the sherry in these three locations major terroir factors that make this region unique they have 300 average days of sunshine per year amazing there is a reason why that's I why often, you go there and you come back and you're like so tanned and, and I'm like where were you no it's the reason why I often you know um tamper with the idea of 
moving to Spain, 300 days of sunshine a year, you know, like that, that wasn't just, appealing about that at all. That at all. just keeps you up. <laughs> <laughs> so they have very little rainfall, 620 litres a year, and that all falls in sort of winter time. So that's why they use a certain way to cultivate the land. They do like little corridors so that they can kind of collect the water. The albariza soils, which are really white, bright white, chalky soils, retain the water and, you know, feed it to the roots of the vines as and when they need it. And then the albariza soils I just mentioned, really chalky and really white and very important for retaining humidity. Right. So there's your terroir. It's the humidity as well and the proximity to the coast that is uh, paramount to the development of floor. And I just want you to keep floor in your head because floor comes back into this. It's really important. It's a type of yeast, right? And we'll go back there in a minute. And then the three grape varieties that are grown in this region are Palomino Fino, PX, Pedro Jimenez and Muscatel, right? So that's kind of geography, terroir. Grapes, tick, 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 tick. Am I doing well? Am I keeping it nice and concise? Yeah, no, this is because sherry is complicated. It's so complex. Yeah. You see, I'm kind of dreading going into the winemaking, to be honest. Draw a diagram. Oh, right. Just keep it simple and breezy. It's, it's, not, it's not easy to keep the simple. I'm going to try. I think people should Listen, go if you're just going to sit there and critique. No, me, I'm not. I'm I'm not to I finish just uh, critique on. while I taste a glass of Pinot Manzanilla. Well, I'd love if we had the, all the styles here in we, front of us. We'd we be don't. on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> floor. <you> get that? <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Winemaking. Oh, stuff. <laughs> you see, okay. this is why you need me. You know. Put the Amontillado down. Okay. Okay. The winemaking of sherry gets a bit complicated, so I'm going to try and keep it simple. Start with your your must, which is your grape juice, right? Um, if we must. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, sorry. Okay, so the free run juice is sort of once your grapes go in the crusher, the juice that kind of runs freely mm-hmm. is kind of your quality juice, your finest juice that's low in phenolics that goes into making your dry styles, which are your finos, your manzanillas and your amontillados, right? Mm-hmm. The press juice, which is after, you know, the, the literally the grapes have been pressed. They extract more phenolics. Um, and I suppose those are the co- components that will go into making a wine with structure. So they go into the oxidatively aged wines like Olorosos, right? Then you ferment. Your base wine is 11 to 12% alcohol. So far, so good. Mm-hmm. Then you have the spontaneous formation of the floor, that floor I was talking about. Floor is not, why are you, why are you biting No, I have so many jokes to put in, but I'm going to let you go with it. Behave. I'm trying to. So spontaneous formation of the floor. The floor is the natural local yeasts, the ambient yeast that exist in the environment there in that specific terroir because of the combination of the heat and the humidity. This floor is a special type of yeast. It's a strain of the Saccharomyces. Saccharomyces is your normal fermentation yeast. And it just starts developing almost immediately. It's unbelievable. It's like a thick white yeast. Gloopy stuff, isn't it? Like, well, that's it's not it. gloopy. No, but it looks No, I wouldn't gross, say like it doesn't. Atos. It does not. <laughs> it totally It's just like gross. white yeast, right? And it's clean and it's bright and it's white and it develops on, on the on the surface of the wine, right? So it starts to develop anyway. 
And um, flour, what it does is it continuously interacts with the wine and it consumes any residual sugars, any glycerin, any dissolved oxygen. It just feeds on the wine. It extracts everything and it leaves a bone dry, super, super clean wine. It's a fascinating process when you think of it. And it also produces something called acetaldehydes. And acetaldehydes um, give that salty kind of briny flavour that you associate with sherry, with the dry sherries, right? So you have your base wine, the floor is starting to develop, to develop. And at this point, the cellar master starts to taste and they do what's called a first classification. So they will taste to see, is this wine delicate enough and got the profile to become a Fino or a Manzanilla? Um, or does it is it more body, more structure? Um, maybe the floor isn't developing as strongly. Maybe it's more suited to oxidative aging and will become an Oloroso. So at that point, that is the first classification. Fino or Manzanilla or the Oloroso. So just to be clear, a Fino is the same wine as a Manzanilla, except it's made, aged in the town of Jerez and Manzanilla is aged in the town of Sanlúcar. And why does that make them different? Because Sanlúcar is on the coast. Sierra. It has a coastal influence. The The humidity is higher there. So the floor develops to a thicker and greater extent. So the wines there, I'm often asked, what's the difference stylistically between a Fino and a Manzanilla? For me, a Manzanilla is, it's more delicate. It's a little bit more floral. It's got a kind of more chamomile note to it. It's fresher. Calamile is chamomile. a perfect yeah. description. Not calamile. Chamomile. Chamomile. Yeah. Fe- calamile. Ca- um, and Jerez is about an average, can be up to 10 degrees hotter. And it's inland, so the humidity isn't as high, if you like. It's more intense heat. For me, it's just a little bit fuller in terms of the style. So that's the difference. So you have... Cellar master deciding first classification, Fina or Manzanilla, or is this going to be oxidatively aged and become an Oloroso? If it's the first one, the Fina or Manzanilla, it will be, for, well, both are going to be fortified. So fortified, what is fortified? Fortification means the addition of alcohol to raise the overall alcohol level of the wine. You get it in port, you get it in Madeira, you get it in lots of different styles of sort of fortified wines. And what's the purpose? Well, in sherry making, I can tell you that the, the purpose is, well, the wine is fortified to 15%, right? And at that level, the floor, I mean, what's the purpose? The yeast dies. No, no, we're not with the fino. All right. Okay. Like, what's the point of any fortified wine? I mean, that goes back. That's a, that's a centuries old question. Why did they ever decide, oh, we want a high alcohol wine that's dry? Like there's lots of examples of a high alcohol dry wine, there's more of them that are high alcohol sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, like going back in the day, it was really as well about protection. If they fortified the wine, it was high alcoholic. This is when hygiene wasn't so great, folks. So it was a protective thing. The higher the alcohol, any bacteria yeast couldn't survive. And, you know. So it was um, them being shipped from one and because they were being shipped in time. barrels in unhygienic conditions. Um, so that was like, yeah, see, well, for sherry, it's different. It's not all sweet. It's dry and sweet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, in the case of Fino, it's fortified to 15%. Flour can still survive, oh. right? Which is the whole point because it goes on to be aged, what we call biologically under flour. So that Fino or Manzanilla goes into cask. Mm-hmm. But say they use 600 
uh, litre oak butts. They're American oak butts. They fill it to 500 litres. They leave up to 500 litres. They leave a headspace where the oxygen can get in deliberately because the floor needs to f- the oxygen to survive and thrive. That floor continues to develop, continues to consume all the residual sugar, interact with the wine, consume all the glycerol. And it has to be aged for minimum two years in barrels. So it's amazing when you pour a Fino or Matheny and you see how clear and bone dry and clean it can be that you think, well, that's been in barrel for two years. Like think about red wines and white wines that have still white wines that have been in barrel for two years. I think that's quite interesting. Because it is quite clear when you think about that now. Okay. Well, it's delicate, pale in colour, typically. And these are old barrels, obviously. They don't want to impart impart any kind of flavours or anything. They're old, old barrels. They're wine seasoned oak barrels. Yeah. That are reused. So just a sherry cask when whiskey makes, they get sherry casks from Herat, yeah? Yeah. Just so a lot, side note, sorry. Yeah, now, but, a lot of know. distilleries. Well, we haven't gotten onto the sweet ones, but a lot of the distilleries in Scotland would use, um, and Ireland, would use sherry casks or casks that have been used to age sherry and um, bring them to the distillery and age their whiskies in it. So you mm. might see Red Breast Lustau edition. Mm-hmm. That's a Red That's Breast a, whiskey uh, that has been aged in a barrel that was used to um, to age a Lustau sherry, a sweeter one. They tend to be the sweeter styles, like a cream or a powder Jimenez or something, because, you know, they want those kind of sweetened, raisined, yeah. nutty aromas that are embedded in the oak. Now, that's just worth, worth listening to this episode alone. Yeah. Now we've got introduced whiskey drinkers to this podcast. <laughs> God, I'm no expert on whiskey. But a lot of the, the wineries in Jerez, actually, that's a business in its own right. Mm-hmm. They They just season casks to ship to and sell to distilleries. It's big business. Yeah. Mm. So at this point, we're at first classification. We've decided this particular wine is going to be a Fino. It's been fortified to 15% with the addition of, for want of a better idea, neutral brandy to 15%. It's aging under floor nicely, minimum two years. If the seller master decides it's going to be an Oloroso, it is fortified to 17% minimum. And at that level, the floor cannot survive. So it dies and the Oloroso goes into uh, oak to be aged oxidatively in the presence of oak. And when I say oak barrels, I have to explain that this is what in what's called a solera y criadera system. So a solera y criadera system is, well, originated in Jerez. I know it's used in one or two other places in the world, but it's very much unique. Oh, you're doing a lovely little diagram there. I know. Yeah. So I have to draw to actually picture so, what it's like. Solera uh, and, and Criadera, it's like rows of barrels that are one, sitting one on top of the other, usually minimum three or four rows. The one in the bottom is called your Solera. It's like your mother barrel. And then every row after that is your first criadera, your second criadera and your third criadera. So when they harvest, right, and they make their new batch of sherry and whatever, and they've decided, right, we're now, we're, we have our fino, our new fino, or, or it's going to be our new fino. What they decided is we we don't want, you know, our wines to be plagued by things like harvest problems, vintage variation and so on. So the only way we can avoid that is to blend every single year's. Produce, right? So by law, they are allowed, so it's called fractional uh, blending. And by law, they are allowed to take out from the mother barrel at the base up to one third of what's in that barrel to bottle 
and sent to market. And what happens is that third that comes out is topped up by what's in the first criadera and what's taken out of the first criadera is topped up by what's in the second criadera. What's in the second criadera is topped up by what's in the third criadera and that is topped up by the new vintage. So that's Solera y Criadera. So what's fascinating about this is that you can be in a winery in Jerez and honest to God, like everything is so historic. Everything is so old. It's just sherry is like seeped, seeping from the walls, from the, you know, the walls of the cellars and the walls of the barrels. And it's just like steeped in history. But you could be in many wineries where the Solera systems are there like for 100 years. So you're getting a fractional of every single Minute vintage, of all vintage all the that's, vintage ever, that's ever been produced. Exactly. You see, that's the fascinating part to me that you're you're tasting history and you don't know it's generations that have been growing grapes in the area and all that. So that that is really interesting. Yep. But it's it's a complicated process to explain. It's complicated via yeah audio with audio. no diagrams. Look, exactly. I did my best. Look, I don't expect well, well people done, to. Antonia. Well, you so, did inspire one of our, our listeners, Julie, to go and visit the region. Yeah, well, not I, just one. I can't. I can't we tell have you. Have a plane going next year. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've had someone reach out saying, "Oh, I'm going to head out. Can you send me tips?" I have a ready-made for anyone who, who who's Don't going. I've already made a list of especially for her. Well, no. So, well, I did. I did do a special version just for Julie. <laughs> if you're listening, Julie, she will be. <laughs> um, I got great uh, updates from Julie and her husband, and. Uh, they seem to have a ball and they got to a lot of the places I recommended. Mm-hmm. So I was delighted. They seemed yeah. to enjoy it, enjoy it a lot. But um, going back just to finish off the winemaking, mm-hmm. how do we arrive at all the styles that you find when it comes to sherry? Because there's really just the sweet ones, no? No. no so you have to, so just of one final elaboration. Don't be laughing at me, right? This has all, ha- all happened, right? So you have your Fino Matheny or you have your Oloroso and it's, it's called, it's kind of in a temporary uh, Solera system called Sobre Tablas and it spends about nine months there, right? Now, this is serious. After about nine months, the cellar master tastes again and he does what's called a second classification. Okay. Did you know this, by the way? Because yes, you're looking I at did. me like no, you don't. No, I teach this with WSET, but I okay. always find it so difficult to teach because Explain. the students, I'm like, go and look at these few videos because that's the way you, and you know, go and taste the different styles and then you'll understand it better. Okay. From being bone dry and oxidative to sweet and stuff. Right. So, so a second class, at the second classification, the cellar master will have a look in, at the Fino or Manthony and, and, and see assess is it does it has it retained it's the delicate fresh style that it needs to be or has the floor broken a bit and it's starting to lose a bit of its you know delicacy and freshness and 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 if that's the case or maybe it's just a quota thing like the winery needs to produce so many bottles of a montiado or something else they will say right uh this is going to go on and stay as a phenomathania or it's going to be a um it's going to become an amontillado. So at that point, if they decide it's going to become an amontillado, they'll fortify it to 17%, 16, or 17%, and they'll allow it undergo some oxidative aging. So amontillados are fascinating because, so as you look at the range of styles of sherry, you start in terms of colours with your fino manzanilla, and then the sorry, next say, one on the... So, so, sorry, slow down. A fino. A fino or manzanilla. Or manzanilla. Yeah. Okay, I'm saying them... 
like as English people. Oh, would sorry, say. So sorry. Fino yeah. and a Manzanilla. Yeah. Okay. And the next one, the color scheme would be your Amontillado. So that's where you start looking at a slightly amber color. Mm-hmm. And that's because that has had a period of aging under floor, but then it's gone on to be aged in, in without the floor in the presence of oxygen. So it's turning a slightly, slightly brown color, amber mm-hmm. color. And that's your Amontillado. And then you have your Oloroso. So those are your, your dry styles. Now there is one in between called your Palo Cortado. Palo Cortados are, are very unique and special and they make up less than 5% of total cherry production. But they are unique because it's kind of like, um, how would you say, like a signature wine for every winery. They can kind of play with it. The, the rules around it are a little bit more lax. It's somewhere, by definition, it's somewhere between an Amontillado and an Oloroso. So it, they say it has the aromatic profile of an Amontillado, but the body and the structure and the power of an Oloroso. So it's quite interesting. And I would urge people to always try a Palo Cortado from any winery because it will tell you a lot about that winery or like, you know, it's their it's kind their of signature, their signature style. style. Okay. So um, Palo Cortados are always super interesting. So that's the dry. Fino Manzanilla, Amontillado. This is going from, you know, the driest oh, dry. and the, the palest in color. Fino or Manzanilla, Amontillado, Palo Cortado and Oloroso. Just a reminder to people that white wine, as it ages oxidatively, gets deeper in colour, which obviously makes sense for sherry here now. Yeah. And red wine does the opposite. Just a reminder. Exactly. So thus far, we have not (laughs) mentioned any sweets. And that's because sweets are made from the other two grape varieties. So everything I've mentioned up to now has been made from the Palomino Fino grape variety. And the other two grape varieties I mentioned earlier, earlier, Pedro Pedro Jimenez, which a lot of people would recognize or PX, PX for short um, or Moscatel, which is less known. So I'm not really going to go there with Moscatel. It's from the kind of the Muscat grape um, family of grapes, quite aromatic, quite floral. Um, and they make some sweet wines from Moscatel and you can mm-hmm. find them in the region. Um, not so much exported. And then you have Pedro Jimenez, which is one of the richest, sweetest styles uh, of wine in the world. And it's ma- made from Pedro Jimenez grape which is then dried in the sun after it's been picked to concentrate the sugars even more. It's called asoleo, the process that, of drying it in the sun. And then they go do everything I just mentioned, the fermentation into the barrels and age it for whatever period of time they would like to age it. And that is your Pedro Jimenez. And that is deeply, it's one of, I think it is the sweetest wine in the world. And then brown, brown, but it's gorgeous. And it's cream. like syrupy, viscous, luscious, rich. It's really raisin, raisin notes. No, so you wouldn't have that as an aperitif, no. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Talk about a sit down wine. A sit down with your ice cream. It's so amazing. Well, it's lovely when you pour it over vanilla ice cream and yeah. chop a few walnuts and sprinkle oh, on top. Lovely, yeah. Really easy dessert number, actually. Handy. Yeah. So now only one more to mention, and that is cream. Cream does not mean cream like, you know, cream that you put in your desserts cream uh, is the Spanish way of referring to a blend so the cream here is it's it's sweet not as sweet as a Pedro Jimenez so it's sweeter than an Oloroso sometimes they say medium on the bottle mm-hmm. would to indicate it's, it's a medium sweet and what they do is they get one of the drier styles like your Fino or Manzanilla and they blend it with a little bit of Pedro Jimenez well they should if it's a quality producer I mean people producers try and take shortcuts out there and some of them don't use Pedro Jimenez but a good quality cream 
is uh, is a lovely thing. And this lovely is the, thing. This is the style not of sherry. sherry. Not knocking Harvey's Bristol Cream, but I think it's people's only reference. Yeah, that's what I'm just going to say. Yeah. Like Harvey's Bristol Cream is the is the sherry, the people that, you know, my granny, my great aunt and all them. That's the one that they would have drank. It's not sherry like Niles and Fraser Crane. Like, do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I know. Like a good Have you cream. seen the new episode, by the way? No. He, yeah, it's very good. Is it? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. He goes to have a, a sherry in a Boston bar. It's not exactly what he's used to. Oh, so. right. Okay. I'll have to see that. Um, no, I mean, a good cream is is a brilliant thing because, all you know, bear in mind now that I, I, I'm trying really? to simplify. I'm trying really? to. Yeah. Have you okay. ever tasted? No, no, no. I, I haven't tasted I'm gonna, a good quality I'm going to tell you one sherry. now. Okay. I'm going to tell you one now. And I, I don't know if you can get it in Ireland. Well, I'm, I'm ho- well, no, you should be able to because there's many sherries from this particular winery in the Irish market. Okay. Okay. And it's one we get a lot in the MW blind taste as a high quality, high quality, super high quality. Matusalem. Matusalem cream from Gonzalez Bias. Um, I think it's had minimum aging or sorry, average aging in the Solaris system of to 20 years or something. It's so layered and so complex. It's it's it'll blow your mind. Honest to God, it's fantastic. Why are we not having that now? It sounds cool. Yeah, no, it is cool. Right. So so definitely don't rule out a really good quality cream sherry, um, you know, for your so winter my, desserts. My granny would have mixed brandy. And share the cream sherry. Sacrilege. Well, no, well, no but I'm like, only joking. Maybe if it's a, if it's, if it's an average sort of a quality sherry and yeah, you want to sweet up your brandy, go for it. Knock yourself out. Sure, listen. Literally. <laughs> literally, that would knock you out. No, but I mean, look at what they're doing in bars now. You're seeing a resurrection of all these dry Sherry stars. cocktails. Sherry Absolutely. cocktails. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of cool, isn't it? It's really cool to see that because it's a way of, um, it's a way of putting sherry back on the map and God knows, like people need to change their perceptions Maybe about sherry. you're doing best for that, aren't I you? I know. I want to mention, tell me wait one second. I just want to mention aging because I've just I, I feel like I'm aging. <laughs> Sorry, I can see aging before my eyes. Um, I know, I know. No, but sherry just, is complicated. So it people is People need to actually yeah. pay attention and understand it. But I don't think listening to this once will will do it for you. I think you need to have some. You need to listen to it five times. Yeah, <laughs> playback. <laughs> no, um. The aging thing is important in terms of your quality levels because mm-hmm. a lot of sort of standard cherries out there probably have their very minimum aging requirements, um, two to three years in Solera system. And that's fine. But if you're looking for quality and just bear in mind one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Sherry is possibly one of the most misunderstood and wines in the world, but also the most value for money you can find, in my opinion, in any kind of category. Mm-hmm. For the just think about what I've just explained to you yeah. in terms of the process. If you are in Jerez and you're in the wineries and you see the work that goes into producing quality sherry, when you compare it price wise with other wines that don't have or represent half the amount of effort um or input or quality, like to me, I just think it's it's like it's serious in terms of what you can get for your money and it's always worth trading up a little bit in terms of the quality you're going to get so say there's plenty of sherries out there sort of like I like when you're talking about Olorosos and Amontillados I kind of like to go to 8 to 12 year average aging in in Solera then you can go into super complex you can go to the Vos V-O-S 
very old special. Oh, yeah. Although that's not, I mean, I think it, it stands for the equivalent in Latin. I don't know, Vinum something, okay. whatever. Yeah. Boss means average minimum 20 years in Soleda and Vores, very old, rare special. If you see that on the label, it means it's had a minimum average of 30 years aging in Soleda. I have a few questions. Okay. Okay. So you say value for money. Yeah. Okay. But that is obviously, you know, you need to understand the style that you like and try. Yeah. So I would encourage people to actually do a little tasting of sherry, no? And buy a bottle of each of the different styles, have a little timbleful and see which style you like. Absolutely. But you can't just drink sherry like no. sherry, no? Okay. It'd so be hard work. It's a food wine. Mm-hmm. It needs food. And we're going to get on to food and, and sherry pairings in a minute. Yes, you but are. But <laughs> just to talk about what you just touched on, styles. I want us to pretend right now, right, that we have... I'm closing every, my eyes. Every sherry style in front of us, right? Mm-hmm. Linda, you and I. We only have two of them here with us. But imagine we have the whole suite. Mm-hmm. So let's try and just describe them. Sweet. Yeah. Let's try and describe them for listeners to try and get a feel for what they taste like. So I'm going to throw out a few descriptors. Feel free to add, subtract. <laughs> How dare you? If subtract. <laughs> Go on. Okay. And so, are you doing food pairings with this? No, I'm going to leave the food the pairings... End. To, la- okay, to last, go on, okay. Go on. So Fino. So mm-hmm. with Fino, we're talking. They're all quite pungent sherries in general, right? But Fino is quite pungent. It's kind of fresh, doughy notes, briny. Think salted almonds. I mentioned chamomile. It's just, it's yeah, it's quite fresh and saline in the mouth. Yeah, fresh and saline is how I would sum that up. And Manthonia is the same, except perhaps a little bit more delicate, more fresh, more floral, a little bit more floral. Okay. Um, you can get variations of these. You might have, have heard of Endrama, which means, um, and there's very small allocations of Endrama, but if you see Endrama on the bottle, it means E-N space R-A-M-A. It means that the the sherry has been bottled straight from the cask, floor and all. No filtering. Ew. No, but it's okay, amazing. So it's evolving in the bottle then. Yeah. yeah so it's basically like a natural wine of sherry. It no? kind of is. And, it, you know, it should be a little bit hazy and it mm-hmm. should have, would be a bit yeasty looking. I have tasted plenty of Manthania and Fino out of casks. And like, just remember, this is good yeast. And I have had, I know, I swear to God, I've had winery yeah. owners and producers say to me, like, they might be like 102 and they look about, you know, 50. Because they're, say, they're saying to me, it's the it's the floor. I have a glass from the cask every day. Stop. I swear to God. Well, come here. These wines are not going to last. Like, no. okay, so, yeah, so tell me a bit about that, if you don't mind, before we go on. Because yeah. I don't want to bombard people with, you know, all the different styles. But yeah. Fino, you don't buy a bottle. No. It, but it's non-vintage so how the heck are people supposed to know yeah it's difficult for consumers to know like how long has that bottle been on the shelf now there is something so called a lost number if, yeah if no, it's you, dusty you need to blow yeah, the cobwebs the off, off it. it no you you want to you need to be going to a store that you believe has a high turnover and you know it's hard to know and you'd Does ask this, them would you not know I mean, you can check yourself the lot number and people don't know what a lot number is. It's a small printed kind of six digit number begins and there's a letter L in front and it is the official uh, date of bottling. And if it ends with the last two digits will refer to the year. And we just we were looking at a bottle there and we were saying, hmm, 
that's a little bit past its best based on the lot number. And when we tasted it, we were right. So that's an interesting fact, I suppose. But you see, Fino and Manzanilla, they don't travel well. They're supposed to be this consumed is, within six months. Really, it, they have it? to be consumed within six months. of Or bottling. six minutes if you're Antonia. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> edit, edit that. Thank you. Um, no, you have to. I mean, just remember 80%, 80% of Fino Manzanilla production is, is consumed in the region, the local region of Andalusia. It's, it's down there by the locals. They drink it by the bucket loads. That's why you want to move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to that combined, combi- combined with the sunshine, combined with the food, you know, combined it's not, with it's the, not a bad the combo. people who live for a, a long time. Yeah. But um, but so it doesn't travel and you definitely, you don't want to leave that on the shelf and you definitely don't want to open it and leave it in the fridge. That has to, that has to be consumed. What do you, you mean know, you don't want to leave in it in one the sitting. fridge? You can't leave that overnight. Once Why? opened, because it absolutely starts to die a death straight away. Okay. Remember, it's been it's been aging in the complete absence of oxygen for two years or more. You know, usually more. So it it's soon as oxygen gets into the bottle and it starts to mess with it, it it's just losing all of its freshness instantly. Okay, and yeah. that's probably why you can get half bottles. Yeah. Okay. And if you see pasada. A fino pasada or manzanilla pasada it means it's spell, a fino P A S A D A. It means that it's been aged a bit longer, deliberately, and it might be have a kind of a hint of oxidation on it, and that's kind of deliberate. Personally, not hugely into pasadas because I feel it goes against the grain of what a fino or manzanilla should be. But because Barbad- there's enough other styles yeah. trying to do that. Okay. But Barbadillo make one very famous one and I got like a rake of burger points it's called Pastora Pastora Manzanilla eh, Pasada and I think it had like eight years aging in Solera and it's it's starting to go a little bit off colour and it has all these interesting you know savoury layers so just you know a little by the way so that's Fino Manzanilla now Amontillado Amontillado I would describe as quite nutty quite layered very complex and um, so doughy, green olive, subtle saline notes. Um, it can have, uh, that's from the biological aging, from the oxidative aging. Then it can have a, notes of orange peel, little hazelnut. Um, yeah, it really depends on how much aging it's had. But for me, Amontillado is the most interesting of all the sherries because it is the most layered and the most complex. Okay, so I'm going to say, agree with you there. I definitely get the nuttiness um, and definitely different kind of layers to it so the orange peel I've not this particular one I'm not getting that with this but I am I have gotten kind of citrus and marmalade peel like not just the rind of marmalade do mm-hmm. you know is that going too far no I don't I think orange peel citrus peel is fair we, marmalade much, might mm, make think of pe- pe- people think, think, think about sweet, sweet which no, it's no, not no. but it's it's got that intensity yep. is what I mean it very intense in, but it doesn't have that saline saltiness that the other two not as much but for me it has some of it because it's had some time aging under floor okay so it has that acid aldehyde but the colour is the difference here the colour colour. and Mm -hmm. the complexity Mm -hmm. yeah Um, palo cortado I mentioned it can be a palo cortado a palo cortado it can be different things depending on where it comes from but for me also it can be super complex I always order palo cortado you know when I'm in Jerez and I'm always intrigued by it and it's always something different but very layered again a combination of the biological aging and the oxidative aging so you know nuttiness 
doughiness, saltiness, all of the above. And this is the signature. The signature, yeah. Of the, of now, the winery. Okay. I have to mention, um, we might be bringing in two just mind-blowing Amontillado uh, and Palo Cortados very soon. So watch this face. We are, are we? Not you and me, <laughs> O'Brien's. Sorry. <laughs> oh, really? Is this the one you were talking about that you were Yeah, <gasps> I just, I, I, I'll say no more, but um, it's very close to happening and I'm so excited, I cannot tell you. And as well, another range of all of the other ones, the Malfania and so a bit of the Sweden. in this process. Yes, and I, like, I'm so excited. So I'm kind I can, of I can kind of see it, it. Yeah. Mac. I can't wait. Um, and then Oloroso. So for me, Oloroso, it has more power, more body, more structure. It has more intense kind of walnut and dried fruit notes. Mm-hmm. So you're starting to pick so up. So more of my marmalade here. Maybe I'm a bit. Yeah. Well, for me, you're starting going. You're starting to go into kind of fig and raisin notes, okay. but it's not got that sweetness, sweetness. It'll mm-hmm. have more residual sugar than the others we've mentioned because it's only had oxidative aging, no biological aging. So there is some residual sugar, but it's not a sweet style. It's to all intents and purposes a dry style. But it, yeah, dried fruit and nuts, you know, everything oxidative. But I love the power of an Oloroso, a really good one and the structure. It's a great kind of after meal, um, after dinner uh, wine. But also I'm going to talk about the savoury pairings in a minute. So And come here, percentage wise with these guys. What? They're higher. Well, they're obviously off. Oh, alcohol. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. What do you yeah. mean? What's the, how many are imported? No, I, no, I, I, I mean, alcohol wise, are they up to 19 here? Yeah, you're yeah. going up to 19, 20. Yeah. Even some are 21. Okay. Yeah. Then we have the sweet styles. PX, rich, concentrated, luscious, raisined flavors. I don't sweet, think it's sweet, 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 sweet. Mm-hmm. And the cream is a kind of a, a nice balance between the two, you know. And I, depend- I didn't know the cream meant blend. Well, yeah, Cre- crema does not mean blend cream in Spanish, but but the, that's, that's the a, but it's the connotation is that it's a it's that's what it's meant okay. by it. Yeah. So yeah, and we have two. We brought two styles in without going into the brands. We just we brought a month. Well, you brought a manzanilla, and I brought an amontillado. So food pairings. Yes, please tell me all. And I'd love to know, like, when you go to. The Would first you, thing Were you I not do. married over there? Yes. So I got married. That's what I wanted to hear at the beginning of this episode. I thought I'd been banging on about this yeah, long enough. Have, but like people are going to tune in for this episode, especially for Sherry okay. Week. So come on, tell I me all I got married about. in a winery uh, in San Lucar called Bar- Barbadillo. And we got married in a courtyard. So they have lots of different buildings, if you like, because it's still very much in the centre of San Lucar on a hill. And is this a working winery? Like yes, yes, it's yeah. got like Solera's. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Like it's a big winery, but it it hasn't done what a lot of uh, sherry bodegas have done, which is kind of relocate to a more convenient location where they had a lot of space. It's still very much in the centre of San oh, Lucar. And it's, it's lovely. Yeah, it's at the top of a hill beside the castle, the Castillo de San Diego. And it's, you can see the rest of the town and out to the bay and to the estuary from, from this particular location. And we were... Thanks for the invite. Yeah. And then we didn't know each other then. No, hopefully. no, we didn't. Um, <laughs> oh God, I'm raging. You missed it now, actually. And that was all mine. You'd have loved it. You'd been swinging out of the lights or the barrels. <laughs> Climbing up on them. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we had a courtyard and it was uh, it was five o'clock in the evening ceremony out outdoors in the courtyard, surrounded by like the Soleras and everything. It was fantastic. The smell. Can you imagine? I can oh, actually, no I can idea. taste the smell. Well, we sure. had 140 Irish people rock up in a coach. <laughs> right. 
in the middle of Salukar because it's little tiny cobblestone streets that the bus couldn't get up. They all the they, all the guests in their all their fabulous gear turned out in their heels and all trying to maneuver, navigate all these cobblestones, trying to get like climbing over things, trying to get to this little courtyard, little um sherry, uh, little t- small bodega within the bodega, if you like. Mm-hmm. And we met them at the door. Not very traditional, I know. But we met them at the door uh, with, they had their, their choice of either a glass of Manthony, of course, or a glass of Cava if you weren't into your sherry. <gasps> what? Or, you let uh, them do or a beer for, you know, people who like their little canyas. And um, they had, they were able to sit out in the, in the lovely summer's evening with their drink while they witnessed the ceremony. And then we walked through, the literally in through the Solera barrels out to another area for our canopies. And then, sure, listen, we had an absolute blast. We were there swinging out of the lights till all hours. And it was just fantastic. And I just think it was a really special place to get married, especially for me. You know, the of food. Course, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. We we had gone for, you know, when you do the whole um, food tasting <laughs> We had I gone, demand a food taste three times gone, no, just to check gone. everything's okay. Well, we had gone mm. obviously some time before and I'll never forget it. They were just turning out one app because our canopies were like all the lovely, like, you know, gambas and little Spanish omelettes and all. They just kept turning out amazing stuff. Like people were eating the can, scoffing the canopy saying, are you, are you actually serious that there's a dinner after this? And then the dinner went on for courses and courses. But sure, that's the way they do it in hmm. most Mediterranean countries, I think. So, um, yeah. And then we had like a Gypsy King style band at the start. And I can totally gosh, imagine that. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And tell Thanks me. for bringing me back. Yeah, you're welcome. Mm. Um, tell me this. Um, I wanted to ask you about the fact that you're trying to buy time here. No, you can't remember I can't. What you're exactly. Going to say. Yeah, I'm speaking very. <laughs> well, so should I, I move remember. on to food and, and sherry pairings? It was a good talking. point. Oh, about yeah. That. Wait, now you were asking me what, like, what, where, where do I eat when I'm down there or something? And I said to you, I was going to say to you, the first thing I look for when I get off the plane and I go to Jerez and I is to sit down and I get a glass of manzanilla. They have like fried fish is the local speciality. So they have like all the little like squid and then like little baby soles and lots of different types. of No, you know, like see, they're called acerias and they only they're only in the local waters. They, they're all crispy fried up with a glass of manzanilla. And the other thing I look okay, for, okay. which is also speciality to the region, is called tortita de camarone. And it's a shrimp fritter and you would just absolutely die and go to heaven. I think I, I I think I had shrimp fritters every day when I went on my holiday in July. So that to me is the ultimate food pairing. I've said it before: manzanilla, fried local fried fish. That's it because it is that kind of fattiness of the fried because food there's a freshness with the and acidity with the, yeah. the manzanilla. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's not even acidity; it's the saltiness giving okay. the impression of acidity because right. it's not a high acidity area. Do you know what I mean? Because it's, it's not so a cool climate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does have that freshness. This is what's confusing, I think, for people about cherry because they think sweet or nutty or salty. Do you know that kind of way? Yeah. So when you're talking about food pairing, I think this is where you'll get your your people to convert. Well, Antonia. I'm going to tell you what my idea is. And I'm coming to your house next week to try all of these sure. during sherry week so that you can actually, you know, convince me. Right. Not that I, I need much convincing now, but go on. Well, I'm going to tell you what my idea of the 
appropriate food pairings would be for appropriate, each style. Appropriate. Okay, well, you know, the be- the better pair okay, of food pairings. Okay. No, no, there's an we ex- can get here, though. In there's Ireland, an expression like. in Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. If it swims, fino or manzanilla. Okay. If it flies, amontillado. And I'll elaborate on this in a minute. And if it runs, oloroso. Okay. So, okay. manzanilla or fino. I'll, I'll, I'll take them both separately. Manzanilla for me with the fried fish and the shrimp fritters. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fino I'd have with salted almonds, olives, your manchego cheese and the shrimp. I was talking about the little sweet shrimp that they have, the local stuff. Amontillado with, now it says if it flies. So this covers things like duck, game, like quail, pheasant, umami dishes that are really difficult to yes. pair with. Amontillado is your only man. Sushi, asparagus, I'm earthy. Nodding. Yeah, earthy mushroom dishes, amontillado. Yeah, I can totally. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Oloroso, you're getting into sort of richer foods now. Yeah. So venison stew. Or beef. something with a sauce. Like yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Beef cheeks, mm. uh, cassoulet with chorizo, things like that. Oloroso. Like they are food wines and I would love for people to try them more with food. Yeah, but- and and then your, your, your Pedro Jimenez or your cream, the sweets. Like I don't, I know people would probably say chocolate because they're so sweet. I think that's just too much sweetness. So, I mean, I, you know, I like it to go kind of a little bit lighter, you know, creme brulees, maybe, you know. Lighter creme brulee. <laughs> I know, but you know what I mean? It's not like a rich chocolate fondant or something. Yeah. Or your cheeses, hard cheeses yeah, all day long. Nice. They're my yeah. food parents. Okay, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I am so glad this is the last episode recording today because, oh my God, do I not want yeah. to go eating now. That would make you hungry, all right. Wouldn't it? Yeah. So do you have anything to add to the food and sherry pairings? Um, anything you've tasted that you've liked? My favourite would be Amontillado, I have to say. Okay. And then Palacatado when you can get it. Um, you know, I, I, can't, I can't name one off, I'll be honest. Um, but I suppose it definitely is worth going to your, you know, a wine store that knows what they're talking about that are into sherry themselves that are interested in it um, to find out what the person who loves sherry is into and try their style. Yeah. Because it's not going to be the generic brands that your granny drank. You well, know? listen, I hope that people for International Sherry Week mm-hmm. get out there and try a bottle. Do you know what? We're going to, we're going to. You don't know about this, but I'm telling people now. Okay, so this week during Sherry Week, we are anyone who listens to us and leaves a review or rates us on wherever they listen, Apple, Spotify, wherever it is. um, Pop us an email, say you've left a review and we will send you. Not everybody, not everybody. Sorry, because there's so many people. So what is it? Randomly pick pick during Sherry Week. So you've got between the 6th and 12th of November. Listen to this episode, tag us. Tell us the sherry you're drinking and uh, send us pictures. We love yeah. seeing you. And we'll send them a bottle of our... We'll, we'll one pick of, your favourite. One of our favourite sherries. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, come on. I like cheers it. to that. All right. What's cheers in Spanish? Happy sherry uh, drinking, everyone. Uh, salud. Salud y amor. Health and love. To sherry week. To sherry week, yeah. Cheers. So what do you think? We do these podcasts because we want you, our listeners, to know what's going on in the world of wine and be informed when it comes to your wine buying decisions. We always love hearing from you. So let us know your thoughts on Instagram and Twitter. Sign up for our newsletter. And if you haven't subscribed to Wine, the long and the short of it yet, make sure you do that wherever you get your podcasts. 
or reach out to us by email at ourwinepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Antonia Dominguez. And I'm Linda Coogan. Cheers. Cheers. You have been listening to Wine, the Long and the Short of It with me, Antonia Dominguez. And me, Linda Coogan, in proud partnership with Give Wine a Future.